and welcome back to Part of the Story, Red Deer Public Library's official podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Claire Brown, and today we are joined with one of our other co-hosts, Sarah Spur. Hello. Thanks for having me. <laughs> you don't have to say that anymore now that you're a proper guest. I guess I'm not. <laughs> um, so Sarah and I are huge fans of YA as a genre. Love it. Um, but there's still some, I think, feelings. People feel some type of way about adults reading you know, young adult literature. Yeah, I feel like maybe there's just like a little bit of judgment, right? (laughs) (laughs) So we thought we should talk about that a little bit because Sarah and I are quite, quite the proponents of YA, but I wanted to see the negative side of things, the think pieces, if you will, and I came across quite a doozy of an article that Sarah and I feel like we should chat about now. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a little bit of an older article, it is from 2014, sort of the height of, this one is particularly talking about The Fault in Our Stars and John Green. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, I'm a huge fan of John Green, so. (laughs) And to be fair, I have not read a John Green book. Oh my goodness, we'll have to change that. Right? Um, So this one was written for Slate Magazine back in 2014 by Ruth Graham, and it's called Against YA, subtitle, Read Whatever You Want, But You Should Feel Embarrassed When What You're Reading Was Written for Children. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) So immediately I was feeling some type of way. Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like I've read, like, junior, young adult, new adult, and then, like, contemporary fiction I guess and And like yeah I feel like there's good books across all of those age groups I guess I agree plus I feel like this one is not taking in the nuance Mm -hmm. of YA at all and maybe it is because it is from 2014 sort of the height of like just after Twilight you know going into the movie Fault in Our Stars and all of that kind of stuff but I just I have to read some of these quotes that we can discuss and probably refute. Because it feels like we should. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, so she opens up with, it can be hard to remember that once upon a time, an adult might have felt embarrassed to have been caught reading the novels that inspired, for example, in this article, The Fault in Our Stars. And first off, that is in the first sentence. And all I can think of is, why are you embarrassed about any of the reading that you're doing? Yeah, I, I am personally one of those people who is like, as long as you're reading, you're reading. Like, if yeah. you want to read a comic book, that's reading. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. Well, I think as a romance fan, I am immediately hackles up in terms of people judging what you're reading. Because reading is reading. There are no guilty pleasures. You can just enjoy what you enjoy. Mm-hmm. It's not illegal. Like, <laughs> Yeah, reading's supposed to be fun. It's not supposed to be like this this thing that you have to do. Like, no. it's for enjoyment. And it shouldn't be this like one-upsmanship of like, I'm reading real literature and yeah. therefore look down upon you and your books for children. I only read books <laughs> that are 100 years old. Exactly. <laughs> like, why? Like, read your books and just enjoy them. So it goes on to talk about sort of the buying of these books, which would suggest then the readership of these books. So 55% of quote-unquote YA novels, which is young adult, we'll be saying YA quite a bit in this podcast, are bought by people over 18. 55% are bought by people over 18 for themselves. Not like parents buying for their teens. Like the audience is, so I imagine 45% is teens buying for themselves or parents, grandparents, etc. buying as gifts. Yeah. Like that, I, I, that makes sense to me because I feel like, um, particularly my group of friends, yeah. like we're in our like early 20s. A lot of us do read young adults books or like new adult which is like that kind of like in between in between (laughs) like they're going off to college kind of age group so like that makes sense to me like that's what most of me and my friends talk about in our reading well and our lovely authoress here has a problem with that as well because she feels like the definition of YA is becoming increasingly fuzzy as it should refer to books written for 12 to 17 year olds, but the cultural definition has now stretched to practically age 30. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. (laughs) I mean... (laughs) So here at the library, I'm the Young Adult Services Coordinator, which focuses on programming between 13 and 30. So we are basically saying, if you are under 30, you're a young adult. In terms of our metrics and programming. Yeah, that like... Which makes sense because you're an adult for a long time. <laughs> you're, you're just starting to be an adult. You're figuring it out, you know, you don't know what you want to do. Like, that makes sense. You're a young adult. Exactly. <laughs> so, 
even, so of that 55%, 28% of all the YA sales are between ages 30 and 44, which is me. Hello, bonjour, my age group. <laughs> <laughs> which, like, why not? Yeah. Like, YAs are highly readable, which is usually a fast-paced book. Mm-hmm. So if you're in the mood for something that moves, like, it's the same way that you would watch a movie. You'd be like, I'm in the mood for something with action. I want to see something that moves. I want to have good pacing. I want to have language that is, you know, easier to understand or maybe mm-hmm. a little bit more straightforward. Yeah, okay. Right. And, like, I feel <laughs> like the, like, with a lot of adult books sometimes it feels like there's so much build-up and like it doesn't get to the meat of the story right away so then you lose interest and like if I'm in like a reading slump and I just want a book that I can pick up enjoy I'm probably gonna grab a YA because it's just like getting into it right like I don't know how many books it's been like chapter three and like someone's murdered or like (laughs) someone has been kidnapped or like they're they're in another dimension or they discover something else about themselves they have weird powers whatever yeah it's happening yeah and like usually that's before even page 50 like something has happened and now I need to figure out why this is happening (laughs) exactly so she categorizes YA as like two different um, sort of groups. She calls transparently trashy YA as books like Divergent and Twilight really aging the piece. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I feel like so called out right I now. Know. Like Twilight is my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then she has genre fiction that uh, that describes itself as serious and realistic fiction like The Fault in Our Stars. Mm. So I guess if you love Twilight, trashy. But if you have fault, if you like Fault in Our Stars, she sort of understands it a little bit more. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> yeah, like, I just don't understand that whole thing. Like, she seems to, in the article, she compares a lot of different ones that were sort of coming out a lot around that time. So, like, mm-hmm. Fault in Our Stars, um, the Stay series by Gail Foreman. Okay, yeah, yeah. Serious. Um, Eleanor and Park by Rainbow Rowell at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, Perks of Being a Wallflower, which is a very deep story. Oh, I sure. love that book. Like yeah. it, every time I've read it, I have cried my eyes out. Yeah. Like it is a very touching. And then also, it's kind of a funny story. So all right. of these things deal with very sort of deep, mature mm-hmm. themes, obviously geared towards a teen audience. But so if you're discussing that or if you're reading that, it's allowed because it's not quote transparently trashy well and I feel like it's kind of like drawing this line in the sand where it's like as long as it's about like this deep meaningful thing it's okay but like but only sort of okay only sort of yeah but like what's the difference between that and then if I wanted to read like some trashy sci-fi book that's like like a Star Wars (laughs) you know fan Right. Yeah. Like, so is that okay then? Because it's an adult book. Like, well, it depends probably. She <laughs> wants us to be reading Big L literature. Um, so she sort of goes on to talk about the fans, particularly adult fans, by saying adult fans of these books declare confidently that YA is more sophisticated than ever. And she says that it's a hard thing to quantify. I disagree. Mm-hmm. As a person, and like you also, been reading teen fiction for a number of years. You've probably been reading 15 years, teen fiction. Uh, well, uh, yeah, now. I'd say probably uh, 14, 15 years. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, and I've probably been reading it for like 25 years. And as a person who really broke up with young adult literature in her teens because mm-hmm. the writing seemed not quite what I wanted it to be in the 90s because it was so geared towards teens right Mm -hmm. like and people look down on children and the things that are made for them right so you're gonna dumb it down you're gonna have less um you know intricate plot lines perhaps or Mm -hmm. less you know quote-unquote realistic storylines because oh it's just teens reading it you know it's just a little paperback that no one cares about type of thing but once they could show that YA would sell Twilight yep then suddenly it's like oh maybe that's an audience that we can sell to maybe we need to be looking a little bit closer and really sort of fine-tuning these books for a larger audience right and like I think also on the back of that like you get like the Hunger Games and like the dystopian boom like where it's like you're getting divergent you're getting like um basically every single thing ugly's and pretties you know like there was all those like dystopian end of world like intense 
books for teens that are just popping up out of nowhere or they existed and now they're getting the attention they probably should have got earlier on. Exactly, because suddenly it wasn't taboo Mm -hmm. for... Like, I, I can't imagine an adult my age in 1999 reading a teen book. It just wasn't a thing. Or if they did, they weren't going to tell you that. No, definitely not. <laughs> Whereas here, I'm like, every second book I recommend to somebody is a YA. And I don't feel any type of way about the fact that they know that I've read books for children. Well, and like, it's <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, even in our YA section, like, they're it varies like yeah. what you're getting like I like to keep an eye on how old the protagonist is yeah and like if they're like starting high school I'm like mm, probably not but yeah. like if they're getting ready for college or like they're of an older age I feel like they're much easier to relate to I agree um and so we will have a disclaimer for our general listeners if you are an adult reading YA read to your heart's content find the protagonist or or whichever age group that you most like. If you are an adult with teens and want to know a little bit more about YA, always look at the protagonist of the book. Um, as YA characters age, they'll deal with different language situations, different sexual situations, more violence perhaps. Yes, yes. 100%. And uh, I think I was told once that the rule of thumb for like picking a book for a child is you want them no more than two years older than the child reading it. Because it... Because they want someone a little bit older, but, yeah. like, you don't want, like, you want to look up to, but you don't want to, yeah. Yeah, you don't, you don't want, like, yours to make. right, you don't want, like, a seven-year-old reading about, like, a 15-year-old yeah. and, like, what they're going through it. And you're like, ooh, no, <laughs> no, not quite yet. Yeah, it could be a problem. Yeah. Um, so, here, basically, at the end of the article, um, she says that YA books present the teenage perspective in a fundamentally uncritical way. Mm. And I cannot disagree with that more wholeheartedly. I think that, and I think a lot of adults reading YA can be overly critical of it, Mm -hmm. particularly if the protagonist is making wrong choices or like, oh, it's so unrealistic because blank, blank, blank. It's like, okay, but it wasn't like, you can enjoy it, you can partake, but it wasn't necessarily written for you. So the thing, like, I'm sure I would cringe at some of the things my 17-year-old self thinks is good and right. (laughs) But you have to think, those 17-year-old characters are doing what they think is good and right. Right. So as a, I'm 36 years old, as a 36-year-old person, I'm not going to be like, everyone's making good choices here carry on (laughs) (laughs) right or like you're you're watching uh, a movie or like reading a book about a character and their parent does something to stop them and they're like oh my gosh you've ruined my life and you're like actually mom was right yeah Uh. (laughs) like you will look back at this probably not even remember it first of all but if you do you'll be like oh yes that was the right thing to do (laughs) i also have a problem with this because i think that it is really really wrong And I think it just shows that the author of this piece isn't well-read in YA. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to get your thoughts on this, Sarah. YA endings are uniformly satisfying. Whether that satisfaction comes through weeping or cheering, these endings are emblematic of the fact that the emotional and moral ambiguity of adult fiction of the real world is nowhere in evidence in YA fiction. Mm, no. <laughs> right? I have read so many YA books where, like, they don't end up together. Or, yeah. like, or someone, someone dies. dies yeah. And you're like, yeah, it's it's real life. It's sad. Like, Perks of a Wallflower. Yeah. That was not a happy ending. No. You can have, like, a hopefulness to the ending. Mm-hmm. Or you could have, like, a things might turn around type of ending. Or you know, whatever drama or emotional plight that was happening in the book is perhaps calmed down and you sort of Mm -hmm. just leave them at that point. But I don't think you get this, like, cinched up story where, like, all the loose ends are gone and everything is perfect and done. Tie a little bow on it. Everything's perfect. Yeah. Which I think (laughs) is very strange. And also she equates weeping and cheering as the same satisfaction. I don't think we can spoil a book that's this old. But The Fault in Our Stars ends very sadly. Yeah, um, I think, like, how I interpreted it was, is, like, one of them dies. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And the other is sick. Yeah. Like, so, it has cancer. Yeah. Like, it's not looking good for the yeah. other one. So the idea that you're somehow satisfied in your weeping, or that that makes the story 
less realistic is bizarre to me. Mm. Like, I don't know. And she, she says, at the risk of sounding snobbish and joyless and old, we are better than this. She's speaking directly to adults. Oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, at the risk... Girl. <laughs> you flew flash yeah. risk. You were committed. You're there. <laughs> Things are happening. She sort of makes one point um, about the... Not a point that I like, but she mentions New Adult, which would just be starting mm-hmm. at this time, because I don't think um, it was really separated out in the same way that it was. Now, sort of, you have a college-age protagonist between, like, 18 and 22. That's often called New Adult. We don't separate them out here. They could be found in general fiction or in YA, just depending on basically what the publisher says it is. Um, but she says, but the YA and the, quote, New Adult boom may mean fewer teens aspire to grown-up reading because the grown-ups they know are reading their books. That makes no sense to me. If you are enjoying reading as a teenager, as a child, and then as a teenager, I feel like you're more likely to be a reader. You're more likely to expand your horizons, try something new, see what else is out there, than less likely. Yeah, I mean, like, I definitely read all over the place. And I, like, most people I know don't, like, specifically only read one type of book. Except for me. (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, you read you read a very diverse range of books. Um, but like especially like when you're trying to get back into reading, like yeah. why aren't you picking things that you enjoy? Who cares where where yeah. you pick it up in the bookstore or the and library? If you have these feelings, these like warm feelings of reading as a teen, a child and a teen, how does that hurt you moving forward? Like let's say you take a break for ten years. You're fifteen, you read your last book, life gets busy, whatever. And you take a break from reading. So what if you go back as a mid-twenties and maybe even reread a book that you loved as a teen? Mm -hmm. I don't think less of you. I think more of you. I'm like, yes, get into those books. Love them. (laughs) Like, it just makes no sense to me. Right. And, like, I was was reading this um, post and they were talking about, like, getting back into reading specifically. Mm -hmm. And they were talking about, like, these tips and tricks. And, like, one of them is, like, go back to the books you liked and what is the things you liked about them. Yeah. Like, they were talking about specifically, like, if you didn't read as an adult, but, like, you were reading as a teen, like, look at, like, what the dynamics was. Go back to that reading level and find a similar book to get you back into it because you have to go back to that time when you enjoyed reading. Yeah, when it wasn't homework. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Because <laughs> I think a lot of people, like students in particular, probably do take a break from reading for pleasure when they have so much reading to do, say in college or university, where you're constantly reading for homework. Like you don't have a choice in terms of what you're reading. And some of it is dry. As a former English major, let me tell you, you are not reading all of those pieces for pleasure. (laughs) I'm sorry. Um, So if you can go back and find something that you did enjoy to get back into it, do it. Right. Just do it. Like, um, I was talking to someone and, like, their favorite book and, like, the last book they remember reading was, like, the last Harry Potter book. And you're like, well, like, (laughs) the world of, like, friendship and magic has gotten a lot better since Harry Potter. And a lot bigger. Oh, yeah. A lot more diversity, a lot more Mm -hmm. everything. Right. So, like, if that's what you remember loving, what's the harm in, like, picking up that YA fantasy novel book? 100%. Yeah. 100%. Um, I found a more contemporary article, thankfully, that more aligns with our views. Um, It was written for Medium by Rebecca Laura last May, and she says, Why I read books as a fully grown adult. Spoiler alert, it is not Peter Pan syndrome. (laughs) (laughs) So she has some different things, but I really like sort of her opening where she says, Reading YA as an adult can remind us of a time when our options were open, our minds were free, and our time was exclusively our own. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, that's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I find, like, my reading has slowed down as I have become more... Grown up, you have homework. You have yeah. other, like, you have chores. Dishes, you have other things. Yeah. You have family, family <laughs> obligations in a different way. Like, Working. you have life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just, um, like, 
and no when you get it on four hours of sleep right <laughs> yeah. like I can't stay up that late to finish a book exactly. and like it's it's nice to have a book that like you're enjoying like yeah. you you enjoy it that right feels away comfortable yeah that you like tuck into and it's perfect mm-hmm. and so just on to a point that Sarah had made a little bit ago and um, that this author makes is there's something for everyone so within YA I think a lot of people think oh YA is just like teen fiction Mm-hmm. But what does that mean to you as a potential reader? Uh, it probably just means that, oh, they're just, like, living their little teenage lives and they're just doing whatever. It's like, no. Every genre that exists in books exists in YA. Mm-hmm. So you have contemporary YA, you have YA romance, you have YA fantasy, YA sci-fi, YA mysteries, etc., etc., etc. So the protagonist happens to be a little bit younger, but the genre is still there. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people don't really think about that. No, I think they just kind of, like, have this idea that, like, young adult is, like, two teens falling in love, or it's Twilight, or, like, the tail end of Harry Potter, but, like, there's so much. Like, I've read so many different books in the young adult section that are, like, deep and thought-provoking and cover a wide range of different adventures and topics. 100%. And she specifically says this. If you think that you don't like young adult books because you once tried to read Twilight and you found it boring or unbelievable, you might want to check out what else is out there. 100%. Mm -hmm. And, like, I get that people like to sort of yuck other people's yums when it comes to things that are popular, right? Twilight doesn't need any more fans or champions. No. They're fine. (laughs) But at the same token, who is Twilight hurting? (laughs) Literally no one. You can enjoy Twilight, or you cannot enjoy Twilight, but you cannot say every single YA book is Twilight. Yeah, it's it's not the same thing. That'd be like me saying like all contemporary fiction is The Great Gatsby. Yeah, like it's that's Wish that makes that no would sense. Be a travesty. <laughs> oh, I love The Great Gatsby. Oh no, I can do a whole bunch of hot takes. <laughs> but that's so true. Like if you're reading grown-up adult contemporary fiction, it's not one thing. No. So to the idea that you lump like in the same way like middle grade for children. Um, is not one thing it's all the genres too but like I don't think people think about it in that way because you have this thought of like what you read as a child or as a teen and it was one thing therefore that is the thing well and like I would say children's books have gotten a lot better since you and I were kids like I remember reading like Nancy Drew and Junie B. Jones and like maybe Geronimo Stilton like there wasn't Genre was after my time. Oh, Captain <laughs> Underpants 2 was the other one. Like, it was just starting. Like, yeah. there wasn't the massive books there are now. I think there was, like, two. Well, and I also think that, like, because people, publishers, mm-hmm. um, marketing people, have realized that there is a market for children's and teen books, they've realized how important it is to feed those books, to make them quality, to make them the best that they can be. I can't even tell you how some of the terrible books that I read as a child um, that really forced me into because like YA wasn't really a thing either when I was like 10 to 12 years old it wasn't really a thing so like I went directly to like adult books which like I don't know anything like if I talk to my 10 year old self now reading Sydney Sheldon I did not understand the context of many things, probably, (laughs) that was going on in that book. But there was, like, nothing in between. There was nothing to feed or challenge or have the plot or whatever. So I'm reading, like, Stephen King and Sidney Sheldon, when now I could be reading a whole myriad of books that are written for such a wide audience and so well done Mm -hmm. that it would have fed me in a different way. Right. Because, like, I remember, like, going into high school and, like, I'd read Off the Heels of Reading, like... The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants and Twilight and Uglies. And I think I had just started The Hunger Games. Um, Oh, you were like in golden age. Yes, yes. (laughs) But like I went into like my school library uh, and there wasn't like the selection. like little old paperbacks. Yeah, like these old books. And then like I ended up reading like Dean Coots and Stephen King because like there was no medium. There was there was the books that I had read already. And then that was it. Yeah. Like, there wasn't the selection there is now, even. Whereas now, yeah, like, 
be like, I'm in the mood for a YA mystery. And it's like, well, here's about 15 titles off the top of my head. Yeah. Uh, what are you into? You want female protagonist, male protagonist? You want there to be murder? You want there to be no murder? Like, there's just so many things. Whereas before it was like, oh, well, we have Twilight. We have Hunger Games. Yeah, Hi. maybe Divergent if you're lucky. Oh, if you're feeling spicy. Yeah. <laughs> But it's so interesting, and, like, the books are good, 100%, and I really love the idea that you can read from a perspective that is not your own, always. And I think a lot of times readers can get in particular ruts where they cannot identify with a character unless they see something of themselves in that character. Mm -hmm. So it can be very difficult, I think, the farther you get away from your teenage experience to read a teenage experience and not be rolling your eyes the entire time. Because again, teenagers are cringy. I was cringy, you were cringy, we were all cringy. But it doesn't mean that their story isn't worth as much as reading about a hundred year old man. What's that book? A hundred year old man who like went out the window and out the window and disappeared. Yeah. yeah. So like I grew up in a hundred year old man, but you can still enjoy the book. Right. You don't have to be a hundred year old man to enjoy the book. No, and like I think the thing with that is is like it doesn't hurt to like take yourself and put yourself in another perspective because yeah. like yeah you are who you are and like you have your lived experience but it doesn't hurt to like think about how other people experience yeah. something or maybe have that moment of like nostalgia where you're like oh this is like a first love situation or this is like or even in the sad ways of like parents breaking up or um you know siblings having troubles or whatever things that you we most of us went through as children it's like well now you're seeing it as an adult but through the eyes of you at that time it can offer you a different perspective just in your own stuff also yeah like um you could like the excitement of like starting a new school or like falling in love for the first time like or moving away going to college whatever it is right yeah losing friends or you know growing apart like those are all things we've experienced at some point yeah and I think that you can as an adult I think you can be legitimately critical or, or offer criticism to the YA genre but your criticism can't be this person behaved too much like a teenager I mean, okay. <laughs> they were doing what teenagers do. Yes, yeah. that's, that's they're cringy and like they don't think things through and they jump head first in. Are you a reader of reviews before you d- dive never, into never? Never. See, I often do read reviews before I jump into something, and I usually read the lower reviews because if you if it was five stars for you, I'm sure your review just says this is excellent, loved it at the end. Why was it a one star for you? Why was it a two star for you? So oftentimes when I'm looking at a new YA or if something gets sent to me through like library journal or something like that, I like to sort of have the base idea of like, why do people like this or not like this? Which is bad. I shouldn't do it. I should just go into things blindly, but whatever. I am who I am. And oftentimes on YA in particular, when you have a lower review of a book that might be very well reviewed, it's, oh, the protagonist was annoying. They made bad choices they made choices that made no sense or they were young or whatever it's like yeah okay they were 16 like (laughs) i'll give you that like that sort of goes without saying who's making perfect choices as a teenager yeah i don't know like i feel like especially like reviewing books like if the character is written to be like an immature child critiquing it for being an immature child doesn't make sense to me now if the writing is awful 100 percent, it probably deserves that one star but then you should be talking about the writing you should be talking about the world building you should be talking about showing versus telling not this person made a bad choice because they were 16 and makes bad choices Yes, that's the point of the book. They're 16. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure you were perfect at 16. Exactly. So I do find that to be a little bit, a little bit strange. And like this author of this article thinks so as well. She says, I know that there have been some cases where fully grown adults have left reviews for YA books on places like Goodreads saying things like, this character is ridiculous. Who acts like this? This is so unbelievable. And it's just like, yeah, we all did. We all were unbelievable. We all act the fool. Like, are you too far removed from that? <laughs> like, or don't have any teenagers in your life? Right. Like, <laughs> For sure. 
Um, so she ends with, it's important to acknowledge that there can be issues when people consume media not intended for them and forget that they're playing in someone else's yard. Yeah. And I think that that criticism can be um, valid in terms of how people review diverse books as well. Mm-hmm. So if protagonists uh, identify as part of the LGBTQ community or um, if they're a different race than you or whatever, I think it can be very easy for people to go into their sort of subconscious bias and be like, that's not how things are, but it is how things are for people who aren't you. Right. And like, <laughs> I, that's one of the things I've been enjoying recently with like young adult books is like, there are so many diverse yes. stories that Getting are coming big up. releases. Yes. Yeah. And like, especially like characters who are like, maybe they're immigrants. Yeah. Like I find those stories are so interesting because like, Agreed. they talk about like, what it's like to be brand new in yeah. a place like Canada or the US. And you're like, oh my goodness, like, yeah. I've only ever lived here. Like, I've never yeah, thought of it. Yeah, my skin has only been this way. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've never thought about, yeah, being completely uprooted with my family, particularly perhaps in a place where the language is different or whatever. So I agree with you. I do like that. And I do like that diverse YA books especially. Um, you could have, like, a YA fantasy with a person of color as the lead, and, like, that's not the biggest part of the story. Well, and I have a, this problem with, like, young adult books where, like, they'll have, like, a member of the LGBTQ plus community and, like, that's their identity. That's it. Like, they're yeah. gay. And you're like, yeah, but do they like soccer? Do they yeah. have dreams? Do they What's have their goals? family situation? No, yeah. no, they're just gay. And, like, yeah. the, the stories are getting so much better yeah. with that where it's like, okay, yeah, they're gay, but also, like, they want to be an artist. They're planning to go to art school or, yeah. like, you know... Like there's a whole thing, and I do, mm-hmm. like I agree. I think that YA has really done a good job, not always perfect, but of leading the charge for diverse main characters, and that the books that are big in YA or can make you know a New York Times bestseller type of list are books that do like think about like uh, Love Simon or um, like just big fantasy books from like you know, Muslim authors or and where their characters are also Muslim. And it's like, these books are huge books that are like on bestseller lists and it just happens to be diverse literature. Yeah. Or even like um, John Green's um, Turtles All the Way Down. Like yeah. that one's about mental illness. Like, Which I think was very well explored in YA literature as well. Yes. Like, because like teens are struggling with like depression and anxiety and like... Yeah. I think that's something that's very real to them. So Sarah and I thought we would give some recommendations. Whether you're new to YA or whether you've dipped your toes in. Maybe you're a YA reader and would might be suggesting something new to you. Obviously Sarah's deep in on Twilight. So read it for nostalgic purposes, if nothing else. Um, but then a series that got me reading YA um, that I recommended to Sarah and she also enjoyed... Um, is the Perfect Chemistry series by Simone Alcales. It's E-L-K-E-L-E-S. I think it's Alcales. Um, <laughs> but my sister was a young adult slash children's librarian in Calgary about 10 or 12 years ago, maybe longer now, and she had received a book, and she was like, you know what, you should read this, and I was like, in that mood of teen is not for me anymore. Poo-poo. Uh, <laughs> wow right <laughs> way to eat your words i know so i was like fine it was the summer she gave it to me and i was like oh, i'll read it i read the first one and then i was like immediately where are the rest how am i getting my hands on all of these books highly readable co-sign sarah yeah and you know what's funny is you recommended those to me i think i had like just started working in member services at the time and like i was not a reader after high school I don't know what happened but you like you just like drop off because yeah, you've you, done so much homework you just stop yeah you just stop reading I wasn't much of a reader and you're like hey I think you'd like these books I think we barely knew each other yeah. and you're like I think you'd like these you're just soliciting people in the library. <laughs> and I remember reading the first book and then proceeding to put the rest of the series on hold and reading it over an entire weekend beautiful <laughs> amazing <Glorious>. books <laughs> 
No, very, very good. Um, it's kind of, so they say it's a fresh urban twist on a classic tale of star-crossed lovers. But I think it's more than that. I think they want to just be a little bit salacious in their little write-ups. To be like, ooh, read this, it's so some type of way. But it's so well-written. It's the first book I ever read that had dual perspectives, uh, first-person narrative. The chapters alternate between uh, the two primary characters, so you're seeing their family life from their perspective, and so then you understand a little bit why they behave the way they do when they're out in the world, um, which I found very good. And, like, books do that now all the time, but when I read it, it was, like, the first book I ever read that was like that. Uh, that definitely wasn't the first one for me, but, like, that is my favorite kind of, like, especially a love story, like, dual perspective. I want to know what everyone's thinking. (laughs) Same. Same agreed, cosine. Um, another one that Sarah and I both enjoyed, I'm just looking through my notes, dear listeners, I'm sorry, uh, was A Good Girl's Guide to Murder by Holly Jackson. When we're talking about, one, podcasting, two, crime, true crime, Sarah and I are both fans, Um, So basically this teenage girl is hosting a true crime podcast for her senior project, looking into a town murder that was sort of big news about five years previous. And that book, excellent. Uh, Did you finish the series? I haven't done yet. Ah, I have different feelings about it. But the first one I did love. And then I think it just kind of, it took a weird turn. And I got halfway through the third one, and I am struggling a little bit. I put it down and have read some other things. But I think you can read the first book self-contained. Oh, yeah, 100%. The first one was really good. It has a nice little... Excellent pacing. Excellent pace. Um, It has nice characters and stories. I listened to it as an audiobook, and it was very good as an audiobook. I enjoyed it. Uh, Yeah, um, you can read the other ones. Um, (laughs) They were entertaining. I was entertained, but, like, they definitely took a turn. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah, about halfway through the third one, I did have to take a little break because there was just something about... Spoilers for people. There's just something the main character does that is not bad because she's a teenager. It's just bad full stop that I was just like, you're smarter than this. Just any character, you're smarter than this. Yeah, Uh, so I did have to take a little break. Yeah. (laughs) I did have to take a little break. Sarah, have you read Lovely War? By Julie Baird. I have. Excellent book. Yes. When you're talking about historical, a little bit of paranormal. There's some Greek gods that um, make an appearance. And so it takes place over World War One and World War Two. It is, first of all, the cover is gorgeous. If you're judging a book by its cover, five out of five. hundred <laughs> percent right away. It's beautiful. <laughs> um, and it's a love story told in two perspectives, kind of. Yeah, I, um, I'm trying to remember. It's like um Aphrodite is telling yes. the story of like the people she's helped fall in love yeah. during World War II. During World War One and One two. and two, okay. Yeah. yeah. It's been a while. Well, um, she had been caught cheating on her husband. So she's telling the story <laughs> of um to Hephaestus and Ares um about these young lovers and you're like, okay, how is this all making sense? How does it go together? Like it, it seems kind of wild when you're just, like, explaining it, but the writing, beautiful. Um, you really don't know where it's going to go, because particularly with uh, World War books, they could be very upsetting. Yeah, sometimes they like to kill off the love story yeah. in the middle. <laughs> so it's just, it's very, very good, and I cannot recommend that one enough. I feel like I'm constantly telling people to read that book, and... I'm not a historical fiction person, generally speaking. I like historical romances. But, like, this one has a romance, I feel like, as an A plot and a B plot. Yeah, and, like, I liked the characters. Like, it wasn't, like, I felt like one of the couples, because there's two couples in the story. I didn't feel like, oh, I like this couple better. Yeah, get back to so-and-so. Yeah, she took the time to, like, flush out all of these characters, and, like, you care about them all for very different reasons. And it was just, like, this lovely little story that I thoroughly enjoyed. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. And I think I would be remiss, Sarah, are you on TikTok? Yes, I am. Yes, you are. So, obviously, you know that Colleen Hoover is just blown up on the book yes. talk. People have been loving her forever and a long time. So, I read Colleen Hoover a thousand years ago. I'm not even sure when it was first. Um, I don't even have the year here. 
But um, she was a independent author. She had some books on Kindle when, like, Kindle was just, like, sort of starting. And, like, I got a little Kindle, and I was like, ooh, I'm going to read e-books. It's going to be a thing. So I found some of her older books, and they're really good. Um, you can read, like, Hopeless, for example. I think we have that in the library. Um, but her trilogy that I really, really like, and I don't know if you've... Have you read Colleen Hoover? I have never read Colleen Hoover. Illegal. You're on book talk, and it's illegal. Um, <laughs> I haven't read more of her contemporary things. I think the last one I read from her was called Without Merit. But this one would be a new adult, young adult. Um, so the protagonists are 18 and 21. And it's called Slammed. The first one is called Slammed. The series is called Slammed. And it's about two uh, young adults living across the street from each other in different circumstances, but they're more similar than what they think. So it's very difficult for them at first, and then they realize how much they have in common. And some of it is just absolutely heartbreaking, but it's so readable that you can't stop. Like, your brain is just in it. So I would definitely recommend those. It's a little bit of an older set, I would say. Like, a 13-year-old maybe shouldn't be into those. But, um, I mean, that's your choice as parents or whatever. Um, But, yeah, like, if you're an adult looking to sort of maybe test out the waters, uh, Colleen Hoover, highly readable, very good. Yeah. I think about those books a lot. There's a thing that they used to do, or not that they used to do. The thing in the book is... Um, Will is the main character, or one of them. He um, had learned something from his parents that at the end of the day, you should always think about the sweet of your day and the suck of your day and share it with the people at your table and then just let it go. So you have your sweet and you have your suck. And I think about all, I think about that all the time. It's, that's interesting. Like, that's, yeah. that's actually fairly decent advice. Right? Like, think about the good thing. Well, you're always supposed to think about the bad thing of your day first. What was your suck? And then you think about the good thing, and then you leave it go, and then you leave it alone. Yeah. And you just move on. And I think about it all the time. And it's just, like, a random, like, little new adult book. And I think about it all the time. For, like, probably ten years now. Well, clearly it left an impact on right? you. Right? I've actually been thinking about rereading them as my summer, as my summer reads. Ooh. So, yeah. Ah. So yeah, obviously. Um, so Sarah, are we looking forward to any books coming up? Um, I I I haven't been looking forward, but like I have like a TBR list that is like <laughs> a mile high of, and there's quite a few young adult books on it. I think you will share with me this. Where do I have it now? Last year, Sarah, do you recall we read Better Than the Movies for Book Club by Lynn Painter? Yes, yes, we did. Are you aware she has a YA coming out this summer as well? I was unaware. But now. (laughs) So if you're into like contemporary romances, which are huge on book talk, you cannot Mm -hmm. throw a pebble without getting a contemporary romance on book talk. Um, And you're looking to sort of expand into the YA. I think you have to look at Lynn Painter. She's somewhat of a newer author, I think. She only has two other books, one YA and one adult book. Does that sound right to you? I think so. Like That does sound right. And so she has one coming out this summer called The Do-Over, which, oh, excuse me, it's not in the summer. I'm hyping this book up, and it's not till November. But put it on your TBRs regardless. But it's called The Do-Over, and it sounds excellent. It says, after living through a dumpster fire of a Valentine's Day, um, Emily escapes to her grandmother's house for some comfort and consolation um, in a pint of Ben and Jerry's. She passes out on the couch, and when she wakes up, she's back in her own bed, and it's Valentine's Day all over again. And the next day, and the next day, and the next day. Oh my goodness. Emily is stuck in some sort of time loop um, that she can't wake up from as she rewatches her boyfriend, Josh, cheat on her day after day. In addition to Josh's recurring infidelity, Emily can't get away from the enigmatic Nick, who she keeps running into, sometimes literally, in unfortunate ways. I'm so into it. Uh, yeah, I am a sucker for a Groundhog Day story. Right? I love it too. And like, if you are in the mood for a Groundhog Day story, YA has quite a few books in the different genres that allow you to like relive the day. I love that. <laughs> I like, didn't realize like it was a whole thing. Like yeah. I, it's one of those things like I've read them occasionally and I'm yeah. like, yeah, I really like that. Or like a good movie, like yep. a happy uh, dead day yeah. or like whatever, where they're like, Oh my gosh, I keep living the same day. I always think that's so fascinating. I do too. And I think it plays well. If you're a good writer, I think it plays well on the page. But yeah, visually, always good. Oh yeah. 
So before we leave you today, hopefully we have convinced you to read YA if you have not done so already. <laughs> That's basically been the point of this podcast. Yeah. Um, we would like everyone to read Young Adult. Yes. Yes, please. <laughs> please. <laughs> and if you need recommendations, find us. We'll give you some. We're at the libraries. We're on Twitter. We're all over the place. Find us and ask us. Um, but before we leave you, let's do a little reading, watching, listening. Sarah, what have you been reading? Uh, I have been reading Crescent Cities, uh, Blood and Earth by Sarah J. Mass. Oh, you're back in Sarah J. Mass mode. Well, this is my first time I've ever read her, and I oh, am you thoroughly enjoying series. it. Yes. Interesting. Yes, I am very much enjoying it. It has taken me over a month, but I did get sick for multiple weeks, yeah. so maybe it's not the book's fault. It's also a big one. Yeah, it's pretty big, like 900 pages. Yeah. It means it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I read Book Lovers by Emily Henry, which officially releases tomorrow. Ooh. Bless. Nat Galley gave it to me early. So Emily Henry, wildly popular. Her book, People We Meet on Vacation, was our number one borrowed book last year. I recently found it. Oh, really? Yep. Oh my gosh, I hated that book. Same. (laughs) Yeah. I really liked her first one, Beach Read, which Sarah and I read for our book club. And then we read People We Meet on Vacation. Did we read for book club as well? Because yes, we had it, it was so for much. book yep. club. We all were like, oh my gosh. Like We were so excited. Yeah. It was a shoe-in because we had all enjoyed Beach Read. Uh, we read People We Meet on Vacation. We were very split as a group, I would say. I didn't even finish it. Like I tried audiobook. I tried reading it. I could not get into that yeah. book. So I also didn't like it. And this is probably a hot take for many Emily Henry fans out there. Um, but so I thought I'm going to give... I'm going to give her a new one a try because I liked Beach Read so much. I was like, is it a mulligan? Is it a whatever? So, book lovers, generally speaking, yes, recommended. Mm-hmm. Specifically speaking, I have issues. Oh. But I'll still recommend. Ah. Yeah. See, and you know, it's funny. Emily Henry also has young adult books to yeah. tie it back in. Right. And, like, I think I read her one, like, the, When the Sky Fell in Splendor. It yeah. was excellent. Like, I enjoyed it. It's, like, this, and, like, like the sci-fi. the that split the earth or something Yeah, the like love that? that split the yeah, earth. Yeah, yeah, very good. So, yeah, she's a little bit of a crossover artist, or author, excuse me. But, yeah, I have a problem with the sister relationship. But oh. talking to one of our coworkers, she was like, oh, I understand this sister relationship because of the age difference between herself and her sisters. And I feel like you, having sisters close to your age, but also a much younger one, um, would see both perspectives, to be honest with you. Yeah, maybe I'll have to give it a try and report yeah, back. because that was my biggest problem with it. And our coworker was like, no, that makes sense to me. And I was like, oh, okay, again, only looking at it from my perspective, I was like, that doesn't <laughs> seem legitimate to me. But she was like, no, it is. I was like, okay. Okay, cool. <laughs> so I was less... I was less salty about it. Afterwards. Oh, good. Yeah. What have you been watching these days? Oh, uh, well, last night I watched The Batman, and Sweet. I really enjoyed it. Nice. Um, I love Robert Pattinson for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, Since way back when with Twilight, we understand. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, and like he's been in like a lot of great movies no, recently. Yes. I loved him in Tenet. Oh, yes. One of my favorite oh my gosh. movies of the last couple of years, and great performance. Yeah, and like, uh, so I watched it, I've watched it three times nice. since it's been on Crave, so, because <laughs> it seems like everyone is like, as soon as you're like, oh yeah, we have Crave, can we watch the Batman? Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, um, okay. that's nine hours of my life, yeah. but it was very good. <laughs> it is very good. I would re- co-sign that recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> um, I went to the theater a couple of weeks ago, two o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon, because I was off. And I saw everything, everywhere, all at once, alone in the theater with my friend. And honestly, it was glorious. It was glorious to be basically in the living room by yourself with your friend. You can chit-chat. doesn't matter. You're not bugging anybody. And you're watching. Like, this movie is a sci-fi movie that is the most original movie I feel like maybe I've ever seen. Like, it's so, so good. I can't even give you any sort of anything about what it's about because I don't want to ruin it. You just have to go in blind and just enjoy the ride. The effects are crazy good. Michelle Yeoh is the lead character, and she's always amazing, highly watchable. She wears this gold dress in the movie. This is not a spoiler. That is like, she looks gorgeous, and if I could wear that dress and not look weird in the world, I totally would. It's just so fancy. Like, and it's so sparkly. It's so gorgeous. Um, they're is a gentleman that plays opposite her as her husband, uh, Ki Hui Kwan, who was um, a child, somewhat a child star. He was in The Goonies and in um, Indiana Jones, in the mm-hmm. second one, Temple of the Temple of Doom. 
Who's the young boy? I had not seen Indiana it. Jones. I'm sorry. Though, <laughs> um, anyways, so he hadn't been acting for a while. I watched some of his interviews, and he just never had opportunity. And he is so good in this part. The stunts that he does, crazy. Like, he just blew me away. And um, the character, the woman that plays their daughter, Stephanie Husu, I think her name is. It's H-S-U. And, like, again, stellar performance. Like, it, I just, the movie was so good. Oh, I, I'll definitely have to check it out. Yeah, like, I can't wait to rewatch it. Like, I just, I can't wait to rewatch it because I feel like it's one of those ones that if you watch it multiple times, you're getting something new every time. That is my favorite part of rewatching movies yeah. when you're like, especially if it's like a mystery or something, yeah. and you're like, you see how it comes together. Yeah, and like the clues they lay them out for you, and you're like, oh my goodness, like, I yeah, I could have figured this out. Like, because there's nothing worse than like, I don't know why Hollywood keeps doing this, but they do like the fake. The fake out at the end oh, where I it's like, that. oh yeah, we swapped out this person for this person. That's why you never guessed the ending. It's and like, you're well, like, that was a trick though. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't real. Yeah, I love when you can look back when you know something and mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I see how you're laying it down for me. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Love it. What have you been listening to? I have been listening to, uh, it's uh, this new artist I found and it's called Pink Shift. Um, they're pink what pink shift shift like shift a car yeah like shift a car okay <laughs> and like uh, it's like this um, this like girl punk band that I've been enjoying oh you're kind of into the punk yeah I'm a, I'm a bit of a fan yeah and like yeah I don't know I stumbled across them on TikTok and then oh, like I've been like slightly obsessed with them. honestly TikTok is really good at yeah. like sending me media that I wouldn't normally know about or care about yeah like <laughs> Good for them. They're they're spying on my phone, but they're doing a good job, so. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, hmm, privacy, losing all my free time, just doom scrolling. Yeah, Yeah, it's great. (laughs) Um, I've been listening to Orville Peck's latest album, Bronco. He is a country singer Mm -hmm. who is from South Africa, who lives in Canada, and his vocal range is outrageous. He is an amazing singer. He's a bit uh, mysterious, if you will. Orville Peck is his stage name, and he's taken a little page out of Sia's playbook, so you don't ever see his face. He's always wearing a mask. Ooh. Um, his vocal range is just crazy good. I've been listening to Bronco basically on repeat. Every single song is good, but my number one on the album is City of Gold. Oh. Yeah. So if you're into, like, sort of alt country, it's not, like, country country. It's hard to explain. But, like, give Orville Peck a try. Hmm. Because I'm not a country listener. I don't know anything on country radio. I don't know any popular songs from, like, people that are, like, popular, like Keith Urban or, like, Brad Paisley. I don't know a single one of their songs. <laughs> but here I am with Orville Peck singing along at all times. Well, just take your Alberta card. You lost right? it. <laughs> <laughs> that was my confession. Apologies, dear listeners. <laughs> Um, so thanks for joining us today for our discussion about YA. We hope that you maybe feel better about reading the genre, or will feel better about others reading the genre. <laughs> I mean, embrace everyone reading. Exactly. No guilty pleasures. Pleasures are just empty. Yes. <laughs> Until next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.